Hey guys, this is Pastor Josh from Fresh Church. We are so excited that you are joining us for our podcast today. I do want to tell you that we pray at Fresh Church that you would get involved in the local church in your city. The Bible says that those that plant themselves in the house of the Lord will flourish. And a podcast and an online experience, a YouTube uh, sermon is amazing, but it does not replace the local church, the hope of the world, the community, the family that God has placed all of us in. And so we hope you find that and we hope you enjoy this message today. the word fresh, and I believe that God wants to do something fresh in the church. Amen? I, I, I believe that with all of my heart. I believe that God wants to use this church to do something fresh. But you know what it takes? It takes a word called unity. It takes a word called unity. I believe that the enemy is winning in so many churches because their people, the people are not united for a cause. The people don't even know where they're going. The people don't even know how they're supposed to act. The people don't even know what church really is. They think they do because maybe they grew up on it or maybe they went to this church or this church or this church. But how do you know that your church was even healthy? How do you even know that what you grew up in was healthy? And and so here's the thing that I want to do today. Um, We're in this series called Fresh. And so God just wanted me to tell you what Fresh Church really is. Y'all ready? I'm excited to preach. I really am. So I hope that you guys are with me this morning because I think that God's going to speak in some really cool ways. And then you guys can really just go, man, I definitely want to be a part of that. Or you know what, man, there's somebody, there's another church here in, in town. we got some awesome churches in town. I'm friends with a lot of them. One of my good buddies just came here on Wednesday to speak into our uh, congregation and did a killer job. And he has an amazing church. You don't like this church? Go there. I don't care. I just want you to be planted in the house of the Lord. Do you know that? I just want you to be planted in the house of the Lord, and I want you to be all in for it. And I want you to be in a sense of unity around what God wants to do in the house of the Lord that he has called you to. I was in the Bible this morning, and I came across this psalm, and it begins in Psalm chapter 133. And it's not going to be up here on the screen because God just gave it to me this morning, but I wanted to share it with you. It says this in verse 1. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. Wow. How good it is when God's people live together in unity. And then it goes on in verse 3. It says, for there the Lord gives his blessing, even life forevermore. There, the Lord, it will be his blessing. His blessing will be on the people of God that are united. It says, even life forevermore. Wow. Like when God's people are united, then it gives life for eternity. Do you know that? Because can I tell you something? We're going to be in heaven today together one day, people. Some people are like, I don't want to be in heaven with you. I don't want to be in heaven with you. I don't want to be in heaven with you because you don't believe this or you don't do this and you don't do that. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Like, we're going to spend forever together. And so I believe that when we could unite together, that then what the Bible says, the blessing will be on that house. The blessing will be on his people. And life forevermore will flow from that. 
which I love because our mission at this church is simple, to awaken people to fresh life in Jesus. We want people to have life, but we want people to have a fresh life in Jesus. It's one thing just to breathe. It's another thing to live. Do you get that? It's one thing just to go through life breathing. It's another thing to go through life actually living it, actually experiencing the fresh life of Jesus, being awakened to it. Jesus, all throughout Scripture, he's like, you don't even know that you're blind. I want to awaken you to something fresh. And that's what he did. And everybody that received that, woman at the well is like, whoa, this is fresh. Woman who was caught in adultery, whoa, this is fresh. Pharisees that were just caught up in religion and going to church and doing everything by a list. Why in the world would you do that? I don't want that. This is how it's done. And and, and, and I believe that God wants to do something fresh in the church. I believe he wants to unite his people. I believe that there's so many people that he wants to awaken to fresh life in Jesus. Whether you've been going to church forever or whether you were like, dude, I'm at the club last night. You know what I mean? Whatever it was. Whatever you were doing. Doesn't matter. God wants to awaken you to fresh life in Jesus. Amen? And so, God, I pray that you would use this message to unite this church today for a purpose and a cause. And, God, I pray that we would be awakened to fresh life in Jesus. And, Lord, that we would go, that's the mission that I want to live. That's the purpose that I want to come alongside of. It's just to help people, to awaken people to fresh life in Jesus, Lord. That's what you did. That's why you came. You said you came to give us life and life abundantly, which I believe means fresh, new life that we can walk in daily. And so, God, I pray that you would give us that in your name. Amen. So how do we do this? Well, the first thing that we're going to do at Fresh Church is we are going to build people. Can I just tell you that? We are here to build people. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12. This is the, the life verse for me as a pastor. It says, and their calling, my calling, is to nurture and prepare all the holy believers. Say, I'm holy, if you believe. I'm holy, the holy believers, to do their own works of ministry. Let me tell you something. Every single person in here, you have your own work of ministry that God wants you to bring into humanity. Whether you're a speaker, a doctor, a lawyer, a college student, working at the coffee shop, working at Jamba Juice, whatever it is that you are doing You have a ministry in your life, and my job as the pastor of this church is not just to go, oh, y'all come on in to Fresh Church and build this ministry. It's going to be great. No, my job as the pastor of Fresh Church is to go, how can I help you build the ministry that God has called you to? That's what it is. And as they do this, they will enlarge and build up the body of Christ. Do we know that? So that as, as, as it's a natural byproduct when I'm just going, what is the ministry that God has called you to? How can I come alongside you and do this? Then the byproduct of that is as they do this, they will enlarge and build up the body of Christ. Can somebody say amen? That's who I want to be a part of. That's huge. That's what it's about. And so at this church, we build people. The concentration, the focus is you. The focus is people. Why? Because people, write this down, are the fruit of the kingdom. People are the fruit of the kingdom, not buildings. 
Not cool church signs. Not cool church merch. Not cool church clothing. Not cool church whatever. People. People are the focus. Did you know what Jesus came for? He came for people. He didn't come for buildings. He didn't come for anything else. He came for people. Here's why. People leave legacy. People will leave a legacy. People will leave a legacy on their children. People will leave a legacy on the next generation. People. We have to be about people. Buildings, albums, books, programs, merch will never make an impact on humanity. You know who it will? The people in those buildings. The people wearing those t-shirts. The people singing those albums. The people that are coming to that program. That will make an impact on humanity. So we are about people. We've got to be about people. And it's not just me. It's got to be about you, too. When you join in this church, you don't come in here and just go, well, it's just all about me. You come in here and you go, who can I build today? You join a fresh group, and you're like, I'm not just going to a group just to be in a group. I'm being in this group so that I can build my sister, I can build my brother in Christ. Because my focus is on people and building people. That's what Jesus' focus was, and that's what this church will be about. And remember this, you always build what you love. You will always build what you love. So if you love people, then you're going to be about building them. If you loved your own thing, then you're going to be about building your own thing. When I was fasting and praying this week, I was driving down this, this road, and there's this building that's empty there. And I would, I, every time I drive by this building, I'm like, oh, man, I want that building one day, God. I'm like, man, I, I want that building for our church one day. I, I, maybe we should circle that building. Maybe we should pray about the building. And he said, forget about that building. All you need to do and focus on is just building all the people that are already in your building. All that stuff will come one day. You just need to tell them to focus on building people. That's what it's about. That is what it is about. And you will build what you love. And so come and go, man, I love the people in this community, and I'm going to build what I love. The second thing that we will do when we build people, we will teach them to do the second thing in our church, which is we will look for the lonely people. We will look for lonely people. As a church, as Fresh Church, we will look for lonely people. So when you join this church and you say, I'm a part of Fresh Church, then that means that you are about looking for lonely people. You're going to build people, and then you're going to look for lonely people. Why? That's what Jesus did. Jesus teaches in Matthew chapter 18, verse 12. It says, think of it this way. If a man owns 100 sheep, and one lamb wanders away and is lost, won't he leave the 99 grazing on the hillside and go out and thoroughly search for the one lost lamb? See, why do we do this? Because loneliness is more than just a socially awkward feeling. Loneliness is more than just a socially awkward feeling. You know what loneliness will bring in people's life? Loneliness makes people feel vulnerable. Which vulnerability is not always bad, by the way. But the wrong type of vulnerability can be. It will make people feel the wrong type of vulnerability that will lead to actions that people regret. When, think about your own life for a minute. When have you made some of the dumbest mistakes when you felt the loneliness? 
when you have felt the loneliest, that is when you've made some of the dumbest mistakes of your life. Why? Because you were just searching for something and you thought that that something would fill up the hole that was in your life, the loneliness that you felt, and then later on, you regretted that mistake. So that's why as a church, we've got to go out and we've got to go, God, give me eyes to see tomorrow at work. Give me eyes to see tomorrow at school. Give me eyes to see tomorrow at the mom's circle. Give me eyes to see tomorrow at wherever I am. Give me eyes to see the lonely. The lonely people, and then go and try to start building those people, searching thoroughly for the lonely people, because I don't want to see lone wolves. Somebody's like, man, I'm a lone wolf, man. Look at me. I'm over here all by myself. Okay, well, I wikipedia uh, Is that a thing? I don't even know if that's a word or not, but I'm going to say it anyways. I wikipedia There you go. <laughs> Somebody's like, do not say that. You sound stupid. I don't care. Here we go. I wikipedia a lone wolf. And, and you know what it came up with? It says, lone wolves may be stronger, because you're like, what doesn't kill me makes me stronger. I'm a lone wolf. I'm going to sing Kelly Clarkson all day. But you may be stronger, but they're also more aggressive and far more dangerous than the average wolf that is a member of the pack. So you may be all lone wolf and look at your bad self, but you're also dangerous to people that you come in contact with. And everybody knows it. That's why some people don't want to be around you, because you're a lone wolf. And they know that you're dangerous, and they can sense it. Lone wolves have difficulty hunting, as wolves' favorite prey are larger animals that are troublesome for a single wolf to bring down alone. So lone wolves just have to settle. Oh, man. Hmm. I hate that word, settle. Just settling. Do you know that you could be feasting? Don't you know that if you would just put away your lone wolf tendencies and then become a part of the pack and become a member of the pack again, why are you settling for something less when God wants you to be feasting off the fruit of the whole entire pack? Come on, somebody. So that's why you join a group. That's why you get in community. Because if you're just lone wolf and you're over here just eating little scraps, when you see everybody else over there and they are all feasting together and it looks great. So some of you, here's what you need to do. You need to, first of all, you need to repent for being a lone wolf. And you need to say, God, get those tendencies out of me because I need the pack. Everybody say, I need the pack. I need the pack. You've got to remember that you need the pack, and so do other people that you see, and that's when you go after them because you know they're actually in danger. You know that they're not living the life that they need to live. You know that they are not as, as healthy as they could be just being the lone wolf out doing whatever they want. Do we see that? That's why Jesus says that won't you go after the one and then bring them back to the pack, which is the, the third thing that we're going to be about. We will carry them to Jesus. So once we know that we're about building people, and then we are going to go look for the lonely people, then we will carry them back to Jesus. We will find the lonely and bring them back to Jesus. I, I want you to look at Matthew chapter 9, verse 2. This is so good. 
I've read this story, I don't know how many times, but this is the first time I've read it like this this week. And God just went, it's awesome. Anybody like those moments in scripture where you're like reading it, you're like, oh my gosh. That's why you should read the word every day because it doesn't matter how many times you read a story, there's always a moment that God can bring in your life. Matthew chapter 9 verse 2. Just then some people brought a paraplegic man to him, lying on a sleeping mat. When Jesus perceived the strong faith within their hearts, everybody say there. He said to the paralyzed man, my son be encouraged for your sins have been forgiven. So, see, here's what you have to remember. When you carry someone to this church, when you bring someone into a fresh group, you are not just bringing them to a group. You're not just bringing them to a church gathering. Here's what you need to write down. When you carry someone to Jesus, you are bringing them into a miracle that they didn't even know they could have on their own. You are bringing them into the possibility of a miracle. It's so amazing. Look at this. It says, when Jesus perceived the strong faith within their heart, not his It wasn't about his faith that day. It was about their faith. The miracle happened in someone's life because a group of people saw this lonely paraplegic man and they said, we're going to build this man today. And where is the answer for his problems? It's in Jesus. And so where do we need to be? Wherever Jesus is, we've got to find him. And can I tell you that Jesus is in this place every single Sunday. Jesus is in this place every single Wednesday. Jesus is in this place when we have prayer and fasting services. Jesus is in this house. And so because of their faith, it says that Jesus then looked at this man and said, your sins are forgiven. But then he did something else. He said, get up and take your mat away, and then you can go, and you are going to be healed. And a miracle happened that day, not because of his, the, the man's faith, but because of the friend's faith. And so we've got to know that, that there are some people that are lonely, and they need healing and they're broken, and if we don't do our part to carry them to Jesus, to bring them to a fresh group, to bring them into a place like this, maybe that miracle doesn't happen. Who could be healed in your life that you know needs healing just because you carried them to Jesus? Who could be healed this week because you saw the lonely person that you said, I want to build that person's life in the name of Jesus, and then I want to carry them to Jesus. That means that you do whatever it is that you need to do. Whatever it is that you need to do to get them there. Because you know that in the house there's something special. You know that when you carry someone to Jesus, that a miracle can happen. That's what I want for this church. I don't want people just bringing somebody to church just to go, oh, look at this church. It's a fast-growing church. There's so many people here. da 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 No, 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 no. Get over that. I don't care anything about that. I care about broken humanity coming into this building so that a miracle can happen in their life. All those people got to be a part of a miracle Because they carried someone to Jesus. Don't you want to be a part of a miracle, church? Don't you want to be a part of healing in someone's life? Just by carrying them to Jesus. Here's why they 
I believe that they did this because when you build people and then you look for the lonely and, and then you carry someone to Jesus, then, then after you do those things, then, then I believe that, that that person was like, okay, now I'm going to be planted in the things of God. Now I'm going to be planted in the things of God because I've seen how good he is to me. I didn't deserve healing, but I've seen how good he is. So I'm going to plant my life in that because that soil is so good because that soil will bring life, right? And so here's what we need to know. I believe that the, the, the fourth thing that we've got to do if we want to be a church, a fresh church, a fresh church. You guys with me this morning? A fresh church. Psalms 92 verse 13. Planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. In other words, those who plant themselves in the house of the Lord will flourish. You want to know why some of your life isn't flourishing? Because you're not planted in the house of God. It says they will grow strong, and because they are planted, they will grow strong, connected roots. And those who are planted dwell and live in the house where they are planted. Remember, we talked about this last year a little bit. There's the bonsai, which is like this potted little plant, and it will only grow about to here when, when you plant a baby bonsai in the ground, and then it begins to go into the roots, and, and, and then it begins to grow into these other roots over here, and it begins to connect, and it goes, hey, I need you to make me stronger. Hey, I need you to make me stronger. Hey, I need your sustenance. I need your sustenance. I need your life. I need the mercy that you have found in my life. I need all of these things. Then that begins to connect. And that tree that would only be this potted begins to grow and grow and grow and grow and grow and grow because it decided to plant itself in the house of the Lord. And I believe that that can happen in your life too. But you've got to make a determination. And it means that you're planted when the wind comes. It means you're planted when the sun is hot on you. It means you're planted when a little worm comes and starts to eat your branch. It means that you're planted. Here's what I'm saying in that. Some people are like, well, I was planted there for three months. You ain't planted. Then I just said, I'm going to just go boop right over here. Every time you do that, you uproot. All this stuff right here, all this mess that you just created, you've actually taken away almost 30, 40, 60% of everything that God was doing in your life. And then you just go, boom, and it takes almost three to four years to really start growing again. That's why those that are planted begin to flourish. Fresh church is not perfect. You know why? Because none of us are. None of us. And we all say that, well, you know, church has just got a bunch of hypocrites in it, and that's why I don't like it. You're a hypocrite. Are you kidding me? You are so indecisive. You want this and this and this and this and this, and you flip-flop. You're Charlie Brown, for good Lord. Come on. Wishy-washy. No. Plant yourself. Plant yourself and then become a son or daughter of that house. Be a planted son or daughter in that house. It is a privilege when you are a son and daughter to call a place home. It is a privilege to love that place. It is a privilege to care for it. It is a privilege to sacrifice. It is a get-to to build that house. 
Can't tell you, I want people to come in this church and go, we get to do this today. We get to come to church today. We get to celebrate Jesus. We get to see somebody's life change. We get to lose our mind when somebody goes in the water of baptism and celebrate. We get to do this. Are you kidding me? Because I'm a son. I'm a daughter of the house. That means I'm all in. It's like Ashley and I, we just moved, right? Some of you maybe heard me give this illustration again, but I'm going to give it to you anyways because I think it's so powerful. We just moved into a new house, and, and, and we could hire people to come and just move our stuff. And some people do that, and that's great. But let me just tell you, they don't care about your stuff. They're just paid to move it. They're just paid to move it. They're a servant. And that's the way some people are when they come into this church. They're consumers. They don't really care. They're just consuming. They're not a son. They're not a daughter. They're just consuming. And so you go to this church and you consume, and when that pastor says something you don't like, then you leave. And then you go to this church and consume, and when the worship isn't the way that you want it to be, then you leave. And then you go to this place and consume, and we're just consuming and consuming because that's what we've done in the church for so long, too. That's why Fresh Church is different because I'm not sitting there going like, well, well we just want to be like seeker sensitive to this and this and this. doesn't mean that, 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 that we're not grace-filled and mercy-sensitive. Can I tell you that? But we're going to preach the truth. And, and, and we're not about making consumers. We're about making owners. See, I noticed I didn't even say contributors, because see, that's the second level. When somebody else is moving, I can invite my brother, uh, if, if I had a brother, <laughs> but um, I, I could invite Ashley's sisters over, and Ashley's sisters, they would be like, oh, well, Ashley's moving. This is like the second time that they've moved when they lived in Nashville, and so I guess I will go help them, because I am obligated to do it, because I am her sister. <laughs> right? I'll contribute, but I'm not happy about it. I, I, I'll contribute just because I'm obligated. See, when you're a contributor in a church, you do it out of obligation. When you're just contributing just because you're a sibling and you have a sibling mindset in that house. But see, Ashley and I, when we moved into our house, everything that we were doing, the reason why that I spent hours and hours and hours getting everything loaded and putting it on the truck and, and, and trying to get people to help me and, and all these other things is because I was an owner of my new house and I get to live in that new house. See, that's the attitude of a son or daughter. You come into this church, you come into Fresh Church, and go, I'm a son and daughter of that house. And so guess what? I get to be here because this is my house. I get to use my voice even on those days where I don't see something that I like. I don't go up to the, the, the pastor and just complain about it. I go up to the pastor and go, hey, these are some of the things that I'm seeing. How can I help you? Because Lord knows I need some help. And everybody else needs help. And so, but, but the consumer's just like, well, they don't got that, so I'm out. Right? But the son and daughter, they say, no, I get to help you build that. I see you lacking in that area, and I have something to do about it. Woo! Come on. That's when you become an owner. That's when God begins to move. Every great house of God is always began and started when people become owners. When they move from consumers, they move from contributors, and then they go, this is my house. You come into this, and you protect this house too. 
Does that make sense? So somebody else is, is talking about, oh, well, Fresh Church, da 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 da. You, don't talk about my church like that. You kidding me? That church you went to, they full messed up people too. Come on. That's what you're going to find out. You're going to leave this church and go to another church. They're going to be like, man, this church is messed up too. Yeah. It's just true. So become a son or daughter. Plant yourself in the house. And then when you're planted and you're a son or daughter, then here's the other thing that leads to inconvenience. So as a church, we are inconvenienced. I want you to write that down. We will be inconvenienced for the things of God. We will be inconvenienced for the things of God. Everybody's like, man, you have me until you said I got to be inconvenienced for the things of God. But let me say something. You are inconvenienced for things and people that you have a high commitment to. Who am I preaching to? You are inconvenienced for things and people that you have a high commitment to. I remember when Ashley was pregnant, and she was pregnant three times, and so this is still fresh on my mind, right? And she's like, hey, honey, yeah, it's 930 at night, but I want an egg sandwich. I'm like, an egg sandwich? What are you wanting an egg sandwich for? Yes, I said an egg sandwich. Where am I going to get an egg sandwich? I don't care. Go find it. So guess what I did as the husband? I went and found her an egg sandwich at 930 at night. Why? Because I was inconvenienced for the thing and the person that I was committed to. I was committed, so I was easily inconvenienced. See, some of you would never be in a relationship with anybody else based on your relationship with this church. Because you'll do it until you're inconvenienced. You'll do it until the pastor or the kids director or the worship director or, 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 or the welcome home team director says, hey, we're going to have a meeting after church. And then, you know, um, you know I'm out. I got I to gotta get to the Mexican restaurant. I ain't inconvenienced for that. It's, it's not that important. The, the, the training that I may receive at that meeting, it's not that important. I already just know how to smile. But, but do you know the intention behind the smile when people are coming in the doors? You think people are just going to go, hey, come work at Chick-fil-A. And they're like, yeah, man, I'll work at Chick-fil-A. No training whatsoever. How, how good is Chick-fil-A going to be then? And instead of hearing, it's my pleasure, then you're going to be like, oh, man, it's just like, it's McDonald's. There's a big difference. There's a big difference. In a relationship that will last, you will be inconvenienced because you have a high commitment to it. In a church that's going to last, you will be inconvenienced because you have a high commitment to it. The disciples had a high commitment to building the local church, and they were majorly inconvenienced for it. Hey, I'm okay to be a pastor in Nashville, Tennessee, in a city of churches where you can go to any church in the whole entire world, and you can, it, it, most churches in here, I mean, I'm telling you, Nashville is awesome. You, you can go to so many awesome churches, and you're going to get great worship, and you're going to get great teaching, and all those other things. And I'm going to be the pastor in Nashville that will go, man, that's great, but don't come here for that. Come here because your heart's in it. Come here because you're committed to it. Because I believe that God will do something more. 
I, I'm not afraid to look at you and go, high commitment in this house. Be committed to it. Be committed to it. And I understand that people got a lot of things. I, got, I understand that you got life. I've got life too. All of us have life. But you are you will be inconvenienced for the things that you are committed to. See, the disciples were, 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 were inconvenienced because they were following their leader. Matthew chapter 26, verse 42, Jesus then left them for a second time to pray in solitude. And he said to God, my father, if there is not a way that you can deliver me from this suffering, then your will must be done. He's going, God, there may be a way. I don't know how I'm going to get it to seven nights of prayer. I don't know how I'm going to do all this stuff. But God, it doesn't matter. I'm going to be inconvenienced because this is your will for me to be a part of this local church and to build it and to see joy and to see life and to see the lonely come to know you, Jesus. I'm going to be committed to it because you are committed to it. The local church is your bride. He is committed to it, so why aren't you? Why aren't you sometimes? Why are we so afraid to to just be like, oh, I'm going all in. I'm going to be committed to it. Because I believe that if we'll do that, we'll be inconvenienced for the gospel. See, uh, some of you are like, well, he's just preaching this because he wants something from me. I don't want anything from you. I want this for you. Because I know the power of the local church and what it's done in my life. And I know what it will bring into the face of humanity. And so I want this for you. I don't care about anything wanting it from you. How much are we willing to be inconvenienced for the sake of awakening people to fresh life in Jesus? Because again, you'll be inconvenienced for something or someone that you love. It's an inconvenience to be a parent. It's an inconvenience to have car lines. It's an inconvenience to play on the soccer team. Guess what, parents? That soccer team says, you're going to work concession stands. Where are you? You're in the concession stands. Church says, hey, parents, I need you in child care. Where are you? I don't think so. inconvenience to be a fan of your favorite team sometimes. Last Wednesday, had to walk in the freezing rain to get to a game, had to park in a garage, had to do all this other stuff, but then I got to the game and I was able to cheer on my favorite team and we were able to see a win and all these other things and it was great, but I was inconvenienced for it, but I was willing to do it. Some of you would be way more inconvenienced to go to a game that doesn't matter than, than you are to be inconvenienced for the local church that is the hope of the world. That is the hope of the world. It is the hope of the world, what you're joining. It's the hope of the world. Fresh Church is the hope of the world. Because it's part of the local church, which is the hope of the world. It's part of the kingdom of God, which is the hope of the world. And we need some hope, don't we? Let's be inconvenienced. Let's show grace and mercy to those that need grace and mercy. But let's be inconvenienced and go, you're going to kill a baby? When? I'll be inconvenienced for that cause because I believe in life. I'll be inconvenienced for that. And here's what I'm not saying. If anybody has, has had to go through some of those things and, 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 and you've had to go through an abortion, there is grace, there is mercy, and there is not shame on your life. But we have to value every life as a follower of Jesus. 
Because he came to bring life and bring hope into humanity. I'll be inconvenienced for that cause. I'll be inconvenienced to use my voice. I'll be inconvenienced to use my time. I'll be inconvenienced to use my treasure in this church. And we're inconvenienced in this church. But we're not just inconvenienced because we're like, oh, man, it's just an inconvenience. You're like, no, I'm inconvenienced because I'm expecting something. I'm inconvenienced because I'm expecting the blessing of God. I'm expecting the favor of God. I'm expecting someone who was lonely to come and find Jesus. I am expecting to build someone's life. I'm expecting. And that's the, the, the last thing that I want us to talk about today. In fresh church, if we're going to be a fresh church in Nashville, Tennessee, then we've got to come expecting. Ever been around a pregnant woman? You know she's expecting. Especially around eight, nine months. There is no denying it. I want people to come into this church and go, oh my gosh, they are expecting something great. They're expecting God to move. They are expecting fresh life in Jesus. They are expecting that person that was brought in on the mat and needs healing. And they are expecting that that person is going to find the healing that they need. They are expecting someone's going to find love and grace and mercy. They are expecting that they're going to find it for themselves. They are expecting God to move in their life in worship. They are expecting church, fresh church, raise your expectations. John chapter 14, verse 12, I tell you this timeless truth. Those who follow me in faith, believing in me, will do the same mighty miracles that I do. Wait a minute, Jesus, that's a typo. Let's go back to the translation. Does that really mean what it means? I'm going to do greater miracles than you. Even greater miracles than these. Because I go to be with my father. Hey, I'm in heaven, but I've left you with my Holy Spirit. I've left you with my presence, and in my presence, there is healing power. In my presence, there is miracles. In my presence, there is grace. In my presence, there is mercy. In my presence. See, it's interesting that Jesus looks at some people in the New Testament and, and in the Gospels and say, by your faith, you are healed. By your expectation, you are healed. How do we come into church? How do we come into Fresh Church even physically? I've been talking a lot about that here lately, right? Because how many people in here know that there's something even physically in, like, science, right? That, like, the more physically present you are somewhere, the more you get out of it and the more you remember it. See, I don't get up here as the pastor and say, give Jesus a three-second praise break because I'm insecure as a pastor. I don't do that. I do that so that you have an opportunity to physically give God glory and to praise his name and physically be in the game. Just like nobody complains at the Titans game or anybody else when they're like, everybody get up and go, defense. Ooh. 
uh, defense, uh, uh. And those that are just like, ah, defense, oh, they got that chant going again. I'm just going to sit here and watch this game. Like, you're in it, but all you're not in it like the other person is. The other person has painted up and all this other stuff, and they're going, defense! And they are physically in it, and they're mentally in it, and they're spiritually in it, and ask who gets more out of that experience. Sad thing is, some of us are way more physically in it when we do watch our favorite team than we are in the church. Because we just come strolling in. We just come whatever. And, and, and I, I want us to be a church that's physically in it. That's physically in it. Getting more out of it. Expecting. I want you to expect miracles. Seeing amazing things that he will do among you today. That's one of my favorite scriptures to claim over every church service. It's, it, it, it's this, this verse that Joshua talks about. He says, consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow you will see amazing things among you. And I love to pray that for Fresh Church every single Saturday. I'm like, I want to consecrate myself to Jesus, which means I want to, to, to God, you just purify me of anything else. Because tomorrow I am expecting amazing things. I'm expecting salvation. I'm expecting healing. I'm expecting miracles. I'm expecting, and I'm going to come in expecting. I'm expecting to preach a word from you. And so God, may you let it land on ears that will hear it. But I am expecting to see amazing things. Some of you have stopped expecting, which is normal because you started, you put your expectation on the temporal and not the eternal. And every time that you put your expectation on the temporal, you will be disappointed. I've been with my wife for 16 years, and every time I try to put her up on a pedestal, every time I'm just like, I've got to expect you to love me perfectly. I've got some of you are in marriage problems right now because you have way too much expectation in an unhealthy way on that person. They will never, ever love you the way that you need to be loved perfectly. Every time I did that, I would walk away disappointed. But every time I realize that's, that's a temporal person, they're not meant to love me perfectly. This is a temporal thing. I can't put all my expectations in temporal things. But when I put all my expectations in the eternal, and you say, well, God didn't show up to me the way I wanted him to show up, but he still showed up into your life, and you still need to go to him and go, you may not have worked this way, but now I see that you work all things for my good, and so I'm coming back to you expecting more in this season of life. In this season of life. We should never not expect when it comes to the things of God. We should be expecting victory. We should be expecting breakthrough. We should be expecting miracles because by our faith, by our expectations, will it be given to Fresh Church. Can you praise God right now? Come on. Yes. We should enter into every week expecting God to do amazing things in this church. Expecting God to do amazing things in our life. Because by our expectation, will we see what God wants to do, church? Yes. Yes. So that's what I want to see God do. Come on, some of you are just in it in that moment. That's awesome. Other, user, other, other people, you're still in it. And I thank you for that. But I believe that if we'll be a church that will want to build people, that will 
Seek the lonely. Would you just close your eyes for a moment? Say, God, help me build people. Help me to seek the lonely. Help me to carry the lonely to Jesus. And then because I have met you, I plant myself in the local church to be a son or daughter with a get-to spirit. Which will lead to a life of inconvenience. And just say, God, I'm ready to be inconvenienced for you. To build the things that you want to build. Not my kingdom, but your kingdom be built, God. Tell him that. And I come expecting the miracles. If we do that, this church will have a global influence. With songs and people. I don't see this church just in Nashville, Tennessee. Because we build people. I believe that people will be attracted to that. And then that we will build people. And then we will not have 15 campuses here in Nashville, but we'll go now 150 people. You need to go to Utah, and we're starting a fresh church there. 150 people, you need to go to Ireland, and we're starting a fresh church there. 150 people, you need to go to Toronto, because we're starting a fresh church there. 150 people, you need to go here and here and here and here. And this church will have a global influence. This church will have a multicultural communities, which is such an amazing part of our church. Diverse socially, generationally, ethnically, economically. This church will be a resourcing church. That's the heart of Fresh Church. Are we about other things? Yeah, but these are... I think the things that if we'll just go, hey, let's just be about these six things. And oh, how I believe that a fresh church will be here in Nashville, Tennessee. And eventually all over the world. And so God, I pray right now Maybe there's somebody in here, and I pray right now that maybe there's somebody in here that has just been burnt by church, hurt by church. There's people that left this church that I know that maybe unintentionally this church hurt. I know that. 
because we're all hurting when we step in the doors of a church. But God, I pray that that wouldn't stop us from joining your movement on the face of the planet. The thing that you said, hey, I'm in heaven. I'm empowering you to build this by my spirit. The Bible says unless God is in it that the, the workers work in vain. Can I tell you that this is a good house that God is building? It really is. Thursday night afterwards, I, I was just sitting there at the end, and I go, this is a good house. Thank you for this house. Thank you for this house. It's a good house. It's a good house. It's not a perfect house, but it's a good house. And I believe that God wants to do something so much more. I believe he wants a fresh church here in Nashville. He spoke that to me into my, the core of my being. And I've told God that I would bury myself in this soil. For as long as he tells me this is where I'm supposed to be buried. That I'm not just going to plant myself in some topsoil, but I'm going to let my roots grow deep. And every time I walk into my new home, I think about how I'm planted in that backyard. I'm planted in the soil. And I think about how God is going to use that. God, forgive us of, of just seeing church as something we consume. God, help us move from consumer to contributor to, to owner. Oh, God, I pray for that. And I pray that we would teach that to the next generation. Somewhere in some of our efforts just to, to get people into the door we forgot what it was really about. And so, yes, God, we want to see the lame. We want to see the sick. We want to see people be brought to you. But God, I pray that there would be so many people here in Nashville, Tennessee, that would be healed, that would find the miracle that they didn't even know that they were entering into, that they would find that in a fresh group, that they would find that. Because I, I know some people, you don't need to invite them here first. You need to invite them in a circle before they come into a row. Because they'd be more willing to go into a circle than they would a row. So God, I pray that you would use our people to do that. I pray that this church would build people's lives that it wouldn't help them build their kingdom, but it would help them build your kingdom. I pray for the staff that we would come alongside of our people. We bring fresh life into people. 
I pray for our high-level volunteers that they would do the same thing. I pray for every person that is here today. God, I pray that you just speak to them. Just open up your ears. And maybe if you were the one that was hurt by the church, that you would just say, I was hurt by my family, but maybe I'm still a part of it. I've been straying out. I've been a lone wolf for too long. And today's the day I come back to the pack because I'm tired of just feasting on scraps when I could be full and healthy and connected to the tribe again. I pray that if you're here and you don't know Jesus and you say, this is something that I need, that maybe right now that you would just say this prayer with me. Would you just say, Jesus, I realize I need you. I've been trying to build my own thing. Just say, say that. And it's not getting me anywhere. But may I be about building your kingdom from this day on. From this day on, I give my life to you. I surrender my life to you. I surrender my heart to you. You do with my hands what you want to do. You do with my brain what you want to do. You do with my heart what you want to do. You do with my body whatever it is that you want to do. I give you all of me. I don't just give you my Sundays. I give you all of me. I'm all in. And because you love the church, because it's your heart to build the church. Can I just tell you that, Christian, in here? It is God's heart to build this thing. He loves it. And so if we are in Christ, then we love the things that he loves, and we will build the things that he loves, that he loves. And say, because you love the church, I will build the church. Oh, man. I just thank you so much, God, for what you've done in this moment. I just thank you for what you've done in this moment. May your fresh church come into fruition. In your name. In your name. Amen. Can you clap for God? Come on. Come on.